Welcome to A Church in the City, a podcast sharing messages, sermons, and talks from downtown Christian Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We exist to empower a movement of passionate Jesus followers. We hope that this word can encourage you and strengthen your relationship with God. Thanks for joining us. So yeah, fall small group series is uh, titled Being a Disciple who makes disciples. And uh, this has been uh, something that we've been discussing in our elder meetings uh, for, I don't know, gosh, I'm going to say six months. Um, You know, what does it look like uh, to be more intentional and maybe even strategic about uh, building a discipleship culture? At DCC, uh, we understand there's a, there's there's tons of discipleship activities happening, right? Um, people are people are meeting together. People are, are are encouraging one another. People are are studying the word together. People are doing all kinds of things uh, at all different, you know, in all different groups of people, whether it's leadership or just whatever it is. There's there's all kinds of stuff going on, um, but we'll just say. Oftentimes we feel like it's maybe a little fragmented and, and, um, and not necessarily all that visible. And so what does it look like for us to start talking about discipleship and really to begin to, to create a culture uh, of discipleship at DCC? From day one, on August 12th, 2012, when we kind of officially put this whole thing together. From day one, we said that DCC exists to empower a movement of passionate Jesus followers. And that has been our mantra ever since. And hopefully that will continue on long after I'm gone, long after the next generation of leaders takes this thing and and runs with it. Empowering a movement of passionate Jesus followers. And understanding that the term Jesus followers is synonymous with disciples. Right? So that's what we've been talking about since day one. And again, like I say, we've been actively engaging in it, but we want to begin talking about it and maybe be a little bit more strategic and and intentional about it. I want to start by reading this this statement that I've, I've had in the weekly now for two weeks. How many of you get the weekly? Okay, that's not enough. If you don't get the weekly, you should sign up to get the weekly. Uh, but if you do get the weekly, how many of you actually read it? Don't raise your hands. So um, uh, it's chock full of great information and announcements and what's happening, where it's happening, and all that sort of stuff. So uh, definitely check that out. If you don't get that and you want to be getting the weekly um, there is a card, a connect card, or a, some kind of a card in the back there that you could fill out and drop in the box, and we'll make sure you get it. Otherwise, um, find Mary Tobias right there and give her your information, and she'll get you on there. So I want to start by reading this statement, and <clears throat> hopefully this doesn't come off too pointed. If it does, I'll apologize to you later. Oftentimes, the Christian community seems to view and speak about the world 
as if it is something that threatens our way of life and therefore needs to be stopped. But this is not so. The world needs to be saved, not stopped. Conversely, many would choose to embrace the world with both arms, along with all of the things and ways thereof. Neither is this the true gospel path. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, not to reject it, not to stop it, not to leave it broken, and not to join in its ways of broken living, to save it. So then the real answer is still the gospel. But more specifically, the answer is discipleship. Being disciples that make disciples, going into all the world with the good news of the kingdom and partnering with the mandate of Christ to seek and save that which is lost. Listen, it's a mess out there. Let's be honest. It's a mess. I don't care what side of the political aisle you sit on. I don't care how you feel about this, that, or the next thing. I do care, but you know what I mean. It's irrelevant. It's a mess. No matter how you slice it, no matter how you cut it, no matter how you look at it, it's a mess. I have a real issue with with uh, professed followers of Jesus that want to stand on their soapbox and shout about how much they hate the world. Because that is an anti-Christ sentiment. Jesus, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And it's because of that great love that I am here today. And I will no longer sit idly by and listen to Christians speak hate toward those that God loves. I'm tired of it. And I hope you are too. And you know what? We can probably all look back at the last couple of months of our lives and see situations where we've done just that. And so you're, if you're convicted today, good. Because so am I. Because the world needs to be saved. Not hated. Not stopped. Not rejected. Saved because of the great love of God. Now, I'm not suggesting go along and play the reindeer games. I am suggesting that every man, woman, and child on the face of this planet is deeply loved by God. Is not a mistake. Was born with destiny and purpose. Was born with amazing, kind, good, generous thoughts from God toward that human being. I know it seems like I'm yelling at you, but I'm just...
There should be a disclaimer on these things. Not made for beards. Yeah, neither is this cup. Thanks. By the way, I don't know if you remember earlier on, I was selling advertising space on this, on this water bottle. I've got it pretty full, but there's still some space left in this region here. And this, and this sticker came off in the dishwasher. So if you have a brand that you need promoted, I, I am for sale. So listen, what is my point? My point is that there is a lens that we need to put on in the way that we view the world around us. They call it a worldview, okay? So my question is, do you have a discipleship worldview? When you look at the world around you, do you see the opportunities as opportunities to make disciples and to be discipled? Jesus pulled his disciples together, the remaining 11, and he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, over the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about what does it really mean to be a disciple. We're going to talk about what does it look like to make disciples, right? To be a person who's actively engaging in making disciples. But I want to start this morning by painting a picture. I want to paint a picture. As I like to say, I want you to dream with me. We're going to paint a picture of what a culture of discipleship looks like. What is this thing that we've been dreaming of, that we've been talking about? See, we talk about empowering a movement of passionate Jesus followers, but the thing you have to understand about that, and this has been a truth since day one, we think that's different than an organization, right? A movement is an organization. In fact, seldomly are movements very well organized at all. And most of the time, movements that are really effective are really difficult to control, which is okay because we don't want to control anything. That's never been the idea. The idea is to, is to equip and empower and encourage and to send people out. That's why every single Sunday morning, we don't do a dismissal. We do a sending. This stuff is foundational to the DNA of this church family. So we do this sending. We send you out. Every single Sunday morning, just like Jesus sent out the 72, or 70, depending on which manuscript you read. And he said, don't worry about it. And they came back, and they were all hopped up on goofballs. And they're like, look, Jesus, this was amazing. This was amazing. Look at what happened. Look at what happened. You know, people were healed, and demons were cast out, and all this kind of stuff. And you know what he said to them? That's really great, guys. I'm happy for that. Take more joy in the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. See, you've got to be a disciple first, right? So we've got to be doing these things like abiding, 
with Jesus and growing in Christ, right? Before, you know, as we're making disciples, we're being disciples and all this kind of stuff. And it's a very circular thing. We can't think about it in a linear sense. Like, okay, I started here at point A when I gave my life to Jesus in April of 2000. I gave my life to Jesus. And so I was at point A and now I may be at point, I don't know where I am. Some days I think I'm at point C. Some days I think I'm maybe at point T if we're thinking about just the 26 letters, right? Who knows? I don't know, but the reality is is it's not linear. It's not starting here to get here. It's a circular thing. It's an abiding relationship. And it's an abiding relationship that we've been invited in. It's, It's a relationship of being a follower, right? What is a disciple? A disciple is a follower. A follower But here's the thing. Sometimes we get this just a little bit wrong. We think that a disciple of Jesus is a follower of a set of principles. But that's not true. Sure, there are principles in Christianity. Sure, there are things that we believe, tenets of faith and all of that sort of thing, and good doctrine and orthodoxy and all of that sort of stuff. But being a disciple of Christ means being a follower of a person a follower of Jesus every single day, a learner, a hands-on learner, right? That's the amazing thing. Like, so if you look back at Jesus and his discipleship relationship, I don't know if anybody will talk about this, but he had these really interesting relationships. He had this relationship with three. He had this relationship with 12. He had this relationship with 70 and had this relationship with 120. Right? And they were all kind of a little bit different and all this sort of stuff. But, but the thing is that you see, they're walking and they're doing and they're talking and he's teaching along the way. And then they're laying hands on the sick together. And they're seeing them recover and they're casting out demons and he's teaching them and they're learning together. This was the discipleship relationship that Jesus had in, in the first century with his first disciples. But the reality is, is that's the same today. This is the same discipleship relationship that we're called into today. And I know you could look at that or think about that and go, well, that's kind of, you know, 101 type of stuff, Kev. Yeah, sure it is. But are you living that every day? I mean, if I were to judge myself, which I do pretty harshly sometimes, if I were to judge myself, I'd say no. I'm probably like a one. (laughs) I've got so many places that I want to grow, so much more that I want to do, so much deeper I want to be with Jesus. You know? We talk about this word, surrender. You know, and this idea that, you know, there's songs about it and blah, 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 and all this other sort of stuff. This idea that we surrender to Jesus Man, okay, yeah, I surrendered to Jesus. Chris says that all the time. I surrendered to Jesus when I gave my life to him. But today I want to yield to him. I want to submit to him. I want to say yes to his yes. I don't want him to have to pin, me, pin my arm back behind my back until I cry, uncle. I surrender. No. Yes, Lord. A disciple's a bondservant. Someone that has, has given their life in service of the master. So my question for me, my question for you is, what places in your life, what places in my life am I not yielding to the master? What places in my life am I not yielding to the lordship of Christ? 
as a disciple, I have pledged myself to submit to Jesus above all others. Above all others. That includes myself. That includes my friends, my family, my wife, my government. But we're talking about building a culture of discipleship, right? What does that mean? What does it mean to have a culture of something? Like, to me, to me what that literally means is that in this, you know, body of people, there literally is, it's, it's something that's just so actively happening, right? So, like, a, a culture of discipleship would be a culture in which all are actively engaged in being disciples and making disciples. And some of us, some of us even take it to the next level and we should be actively engaged in making disciple makers. Because really that's the big win, right? So yeah, we want to be disciples. We want to be disciples who make disciples. That's cool. But let's be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Who make disciples who make disciples. Who make disciples who make disciples. This whole thing started with 12. 12, friends, 12. 12 people who were disciples, who made disciple makers. But I'll tell you one thing, and this is a key idea to this whole concept. Discipleship is not something that primarily happens in this meeting. This is an amazing time. I love the Sunday morning church gathering. It's like family dinner. You know? It's, it's, it's a time we can come together and we can celebrate. We can worship. We can worship corporately. We can take, take communion, break bread, fellowship. I love taking communion every Sunday. I like to say communion is like an opportunity for us to, to share the gospel with one another. Every time we take that bread and that juice, all of this stuff that's happening, all of these things that happen on Sunday mornings are amazing and beautiful, and I would never want to stop. But discipleship primarily happens Monday through Saturday. It doesn't happen here. Sure, we can sit down, we can listen to an encouraging word, and we can be encouraged, and there's a, there's a, a part of discipleship in that. We can learn, Right? But being a disciple is this abiding and growing relationship that we have in Christ. And making disciples is something that happens relationally. It's something that happens as we go. That's the beauty of that statement in Matthew 28 that I read just a moment ago. He says, go therefore and make disciples. And you could translate that based on the Greek text. You could translate that to say, go, and as you're going... Make disciples. See, the disciple-making happens in the going. It doesn't happen in the coming to church. Okay? Coming to church and gathering with your brothers and sisters in Christ is a hugely important thing there. See, so every Sunday when we're sending, we're sending, we're sending ourselves, we're sending all of us. I feel like Jesus is sending us out in the same way that he sent out the original, you know, group saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
And so go and do this in my name and teach and encourage and instruct and baptize and heal and do all of these things. And remember, remember that every every person around you is a discipleship opportunity. And I don't say that in some sort of like pyramid scheme, you know, Amway kind of like, you know, way, right? Like you should go through your old high school yearbook and try to figure out who you can disciple. No, I, I literally mean like you should be looking at the relationships around you and going, what does it look like to view this relationship through the lens of discipleship? What does it look like to put those lenses, to put that worldview on in my marriage, in my relationship with my sons, right? In my relationship with my friends, with my coworkers, with people, wherever it is, whatever it is, what does it look like in your everyday life? I remember uh, early on, when I came to Christ, I had this group of friends. There was, you know, half a dozen of us. And, you know, we would just, I mean, we would just devour, you know, the word together. We were just constantly like, you know, talking about what, what Jesus was teaching us and, 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 you know, engaging in stuff. And we were, you know, we would lead Bible studies. I remember one time I, we wanted to do a Bible study um, about the mind of Christ. And there was nobody to lead it. We were part of a church family, and, and, and so we just said, well, you know, I, I, somehow I got elected to lead this thing. I was, I'd been saved six months. And so I'm leading this Bible study, and we're inviting people. It was actually, I don't know if anybody remembers the old Red Lion on Leonard Street over there by the railroad tracks. It's not there anymore, but... So we would sit in Red Lion, we would drink coffee, and we would, we'd have this Bible study. And I remember that one of the elders in the church uh, went, to, went to my pastor, and he said, dude, he said, this isn't good. Uh, you know, Kevin's been saved maybe six months, and he really came out of a lot of really <laughs> broken stuff, and uh, he's over here re- leading this Bible study over at Red Lion, and you really should put a stop to it. And uh, to his credit, my pastor looked at this gentleman and he said, do you want to lead it? I don't have time for that or whatever. He said, okay, well, I'm going to let it go. See, we were so hungry for discipleship that we just were literally discipling each other. It was like, who's discipling who? I don't know. Because we were all in the same boat. It was like, it was like the Lost Boys and Peter Pan, you know? We had no father. We were, just, we were just doing what we knew best and just running to Jesus as much as we could, you know? The thing I loved about it, the beauty of it, was just that idea that it was literally a culture of discipleship. And, and, and it wasn't like one of those things where it was like there was some guru and there was a bunch of followers, you know, it was literally one of those, like, who is discipling who kind of things. And to me, when I picture a culture of discipleship, that's what I picture. I picture this, like, relational thing that's happening where, where we're running to Jesus together and we're encouraging one another and, and, and all, of this, all of this stuff. 
and literally not just here, not just for DCC, but that we're being equipped to do this in our other relationships. You know, I mean, we think of it, we think of it this way, like, like, okay, we're discipling, we're discipling believers. Well, Jesus didn't say go make converts and then make them disciples. It wasn't a two-step process in the way that he described it. He didn't say go into the world, make converts, and then once they're converts, get them into a discipleship class at your local church. He said go make disciples. It was that simple. Now remember and, 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 and keep in mind that the people in the world around you, okay, being a follower of Jesus, going through some sort of like process where somebody gives their life to the Lord and says, yes, I want to I follow Jesus and blah, blah, blah. Say that's a zero on a scale, right? Some people are at a negative 50. Those people need to be discipled, but they need to be discipled in an upward direction probably for a long time before they're ever going to get to a place where they say yes to Jesus because maybe they came out of so much brokenness and maybe they're so convinced that they're unlovable and unworthy and just some kind of piece of trash. Maybe they're just, maybe the people around you are just so absolutely far removed or they've been violated by religion. They've been violated maybe even in the church. And you know, so those people, they might take some time So what you don't want to do is you don't want to necessarily go to that person and say, hey, my church is doing this thing on discipleship. Do you want to be a disciple? Sign here. (laughs) No, it starts with coffee. It starts with lunch. It starts with five minutes in a break room. Hey, how you doing? I know she seemed a little bit down. I heard this. I was thinking about this again this morning. Jamie and I were talking about this. I heard a, a quote from, it popped up uh, a couple of days ago, and so I've been thinking about it again. He said, he who has the most hope has the most influence. He who has the most hope has the most influence. Not he who has the most Facebook followers. Not he who writes the most inflammatory posts on social media. He who has the most hope has the most influence. You want to influence culture? You want to influence the world? You want to change this thing? You want to clean up some of this mess that's out there? Go out with hope. Go out with hope. Bring it. Give it. Don't worry about it because you're not going to run out. Give it all away. Give as much of it away as often as you possibly can. Go out. Say, guess what? You don't have to be down. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be dismayed. You don't have to be in the dumps. You don't have to. You don't have to because hope has a name and it's Jesus. And he ain't going to run out, friends. I've so many times had this vision of the city in these little pockets of fire 
throughout the city. So if you dream with me for a minute, dream with me of a city on fire. Dream with me of a city transformed. Dream with me of a Grand Rapids that doesn't look like it does today. I believe with all my heart that if each and every one of us became more intentional about being a disciple and about making disciples every single day, this city would be set on fire. And there'd be no stopping. I believe that with all my heart. And trust me, when I say I'm not I'm not pointing fingers outwardly. I'm saying all of us, all of us every single day because we all have places that we go and things that we do and people that we can influence. But I'm here to tell you, if we continue to have an us versus them sort of mentality and we continue to talk about how broken this person is or how broken that person is on your face before God, judging the people around us because their way of life is not like our way of life. Why would it be? Your way of life should be based off who you follow. And if they don't follow Jesus, why would their way of life be like yours? So why waste time talking about the fact that our ways of life are different and introduce them to the one that you follow? And I'm convinced, I'm convinced that your greatest weapon, your greatest weapon is not social media. Your greatest weapon is not your cell phone. Your greatest weapon is not even your Bible. is love. Your greatest weapon is love, friends. Furious, furious, undying love. Love that looks at the person across the table that is completely different than you and sees an opportunity and says, Lord, how can I pour out your love on this person? unrelenting, furious love. That is what brought me to Christ. People that wouldn't quit. People that didn't give up on me. Even when I said, no, thank you. I don't want to buy what you're selling. I'm all happy that you all found Jesus and you're hopped up on goofballs over there. That's not for me. I've been to church. I'm good. And yet these people never quit on me. Hey, dude, let's go get coffee. Come on. And there was something about them that made me want to go. Because there was hope. 
There was hope. And there was love. Not judgment. See, Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world. The world's already judged. This is already a done deal. Judgment's already sealed. I came to save it. So the band can come. Can we stand to our feet? So we're going to go back into a time of worship through music as response. And, um, Russ and Amy are in the back uh, to pray for you this morning. If, if you need any kind of prayer for anything, if you need, need a word of encouragement, if you need healing in your body, if you, need, uh, you just need to be uplifted, if you are finding yourself in a place where you're saying that hope that you're talking about, I I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I seem to have lost sight of it. Uh, and, and joy seems to have gone with it. Please go back there and allow them to lay hands on you and pray for you and stir up hope and speak words of hope and joy and love. But Father, we thank you. We thank you for this amazing time this morning. We thank you for this great love that you have. And Lord, as we go out this morning, whew, let us be carriers of that fire, carriers of, of that fire of love, carriers of that fire of hope. Lord, pour out that fire on us this morning. Pour out that fire of love, that fire of hope, that fire of joy. Pour it on us this morning as we, as we sing together. And as we prepare to be sent out, Lord God, would you just pour out that, that fire? Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about DCC, get involved in one of our ministries, or give to support us, you can find us at achurchinthecity.org. You can also follow us on Instagram at Downtown Christian Church for Sunday morning set lists, sermon series announcements, and much more. You can also join us live on YouTube every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Just search for Downtown Christian Church. Thank you for listening.